Section86.com. We're changing the world of podcasting one show at a time. 86 Productions. The best podcast for the most in-depth insight and analysis into the world of professional wrestling. On today's show, I have Aaron, Roger, and Judd to join Anders. We discuss this month's view from the turnbuckle. So, we got a bunch of releases and some people with contracts that got expired. So, Aaron, who is the number one person in your mind? Marco Stunt. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, AEW has some. Uh, I don't think that they have publicly come out and stated um, who has uh, been released, but there's a lot of speculation on their part. But for WWE, they had a number of releases, and uh, that Tony Storm, who actually uh, asked for her release and was granted, um, and then a few others that actually have uh, requested theirs as well. But the one that I think sticks out the most to me is William Regal, and the main reason is because he was such a cornerstone when it came to NXT 1.0 and even the switch over to 2.0, it really looks like they're trying to move as much in a different direction as possible because they got rid of a lot of people and a lot of mainstays there. I think William Regal in particular was the big one that they decided to get rid of in order to differentiate between 1.0 and 2.0. You know, I would, I would actually say probably the, uh, the two biggest ones I think they got rid of were, uh, uh, Tommaso Ciampa and, uh, well, Johnny Gargano, because they're not re-signed anywhere and they don't have contracts and they're just kind of there. So well, what are they going to do? Ciampa has been doing some dark matches with um, uh, for SmackDown, I believe. Uh, but uh, Gargano right now, he is, you know, expecting his first child. So uh, there is some potential like where a contract ran out, but maybe it's because he's going to return. So that one is kind of up in the air. But to, uh, Ciampa, to my knowledge, is uh, doing dark matches. All right. So, Doug, what do you think about the uh, releases that WWE has uh, put out there so far? I'm a little shocked at a couple of the names that it got out there, but uh, especially William Regal, since he is more of a behind-the-scenes person. Did you really need to cut him? He does such good work, and there's so much talent that he was able to bring to WWE. You would think you would want to keep him. Um one of those people being Samoa Joe, which also got released, but it really seems like we have really, I mean, not just seen the end of the era of NXT, but not just the wrestlers, but the whole thing in general is now gone. Um, and it just leads more to the rumors that WWE is for sale and they're just cutting everything that they possibly can before selling off to somebody else. I'm not really surprised that Regal and Road Dog were let go. Uh, the fact that Samoa Joe was let go twice in a year is pretty weird. I, I can't actually think of another scenario in which somebody got cut basically twice in the same calendar year. Um, the biggest name to me is Tony Storm. Like AEW needs to sign her tomorrow because she is a perfect addition to that women's roster. Um, as far as NXT goes, it I, I have it as my fallen for grace for 2021. It, is the front runner for 2022. It's very clear that they have moved on from basically being a supercharged ring of honor and kind of the place where the best of the independents go to put on the best matches, quite frankly, in the world to um, Monday night raw from 1993, 2.0, because that's really what NXT is right now. It is a very bland, stale minor league version of raw. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk WWE um, Royal rumble. So the Royal Rumble just happened, and uh, interesting uh, twist on the Universal title match. We first had Seth Rollins come out with the old uh, 
Shield music. Uh, Roger, what did you think about uh, just the match in general? I think, first off, Seth Rollins um, coming out in the Shield was top five all-time troll moves. Like, he was just fantastic. The crowd loved it. I personally loved it at home. You could really see, and look, we have dogged on Roman Reigns for years, but his character work in this match was top tier. He really showed how much it got under his skid that Seth just did not respect him and was trolling him. Those two have really good chemistry together. You know, and I've said this before, Omega and Okada do a great job in their matches of building off the previous matches. Roman and Seth do the same thing. They had so many great callbacks from the previous matches and you're like the little things, the touches. This was going to be an all-time classic up until it wasn't because for some stupid reason, they decided at the Rumble, this match should end in a guillotine disqualification. Fine thing to do on television, fine thing to do on a lesser pay-per-view. You should not be doing that on one of your big four, big three. Maybe it's just a big two now with the Rumble of Mania, but that is an inexcusable finish for the Royal Rumble. And it ruined, in my opinion, what was a great match and kind of set the tone for the night. I, I think that uh, I will be in the minority of people that I absolutely enjoyed this. I don't mind the ending. Uh, Roger and I were talking about it, though, before. This is not the ending for a Royal Rumble mat, uh, Royal Rumble pay-per-view quality. Um, this would have been great for day one, and then you finish it at Royal Rumble uh, to have a legit ending. But, uh, and, and, I mean... It, it still has a lot of potential storyline aspects to it. The fact that Seth now beat Roman Reigns again. he I don't think Roman Reigns has ever even beaten Seth on pay-per-view or whatever you want to call it. But it's going to continue that, that streak, but with him having still the title. The problem I have with that, though, is, uh, and, and where I got my hopes up for the rest of the show, is I thought this would be great for a setup for WrestleMania. However, we all know that this isn't what they want set up for WrestleMania. They're going to go and do the same thing they've been doing for several years now. It's going to be Roman versus Brock. That's it. That's all they have. That's It's a one-set mindset. This storyline has roots. It has something to go on, but we can't long-term book because we have to be dead set on two wrestlers for WrestleMania. Yeah, I think for me, it was the placement of this match and you really should have had a high octane match prior to this, you know, whether it was the woman's rumble or, you know, if you had some throwaway match and you took a little bit of time off of some of the others, I think that would have been a lot better. Uh, But the match itself, I mean, like everybody said, has been it was fantastic. It just ended with a dud, in my opinion. I agree on that. Um, The other thing that uh, did happen, you know, we were talking about Roman. Roman decided to get involved with, uh, well, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar, um, which we saw an interesting uh, thing that Paul Heyman uh, did here. Doug, what exactly happened in this? Um, Paul Heyman pulled a big show. I think that's the best way to call it, where, you know, he, he turns, whether he's on Roman's side or whether he's on Brock's side, you know, it's just one of those things. Just, you know, how he, how he feels. You know, maybe he comes out one side as a heel. Sometimes he comes out as a baby face. Just depends on what he needs for that night or at that moment. This, it's starting to make absolutely no sense in the aspect of, is Paul going to be on this side or is he going to be on that side? I, I frankly just don't care anymore because I've seen this match before. We've done this storyline before. I'm done with it. Let's move on. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, you know what? This match also I enjoyed. Like for the start of it, I thought it was like, okay, you know, like this is interesting. It's a big man match. It is 
and it's not a five-star classic, but it's like, okay, this is, this is enjoyable enough. And I've wanted to see these two wrestle. And I thought that they did a good job for what they were doing to start with. But again, the finish, which uh, Eric Bischoff had talked about uh, on Nitro, the biggest problem that he had was they had terrible finishes. They just had, they were convoluted and they just got worse as Nitro kept going on. And one of the things that Pat Patterson did so well at was having good finishes. And doesn't mean that WWE always had good finishes. They didn't. But they typically had definitive finishes for some of these bigger matches. Here you have the two world titles with DQ finishes. And I think that was a little bit of a – I'm sorry. It wasn't, it wasn't a DQ it. finish. Uh, but with a Screwy uh, finish. Screwy finish, yeah. yes. Um, and so that's a little bit of a letdown. And I would like to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar in a normal – match you know whether it have it be a cage match where you it's pinfall or submission only that's it two mma fighters pinfall submission in a cage do it that's what i would like to see so it was it was unfortunate i you know it's not what i wanted to see didn't enjoy it uh you know at the end but i guess it was bobby lashley another run with the title brock Lesnar versus bobby lashley is a match we've wanted to see for a long time and should not have been used as a vehicle to further a roman reigns versus brock match that i've seen a thousand times like truth be told, this was this was treated like a filler match as opposed to the heavyweight fight that it should have been treated as. This could have been isolated by itself. Brock first Lashley for 10 minutes. They go at it. One of them wins. Everyone goes home happy. We watched a good fight. Kind of like how Joe versus Brock was many years ago. They didn't have to do a screwy finish. They just had went out there and put on a fight for about six minutes, eight minutes, and then they were done. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of what Aaron's point was, just the, the interference, the screwy finishes... I liked the match until the screwy finish. The one thing I'll say about the whole Heyman turn, I've seen this story before. And yes, I've been watching wrestling for a very long time. I've seen when Heyman turned on Brock to go join Angle and blah, 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 blah. Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar together are always better than Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar apart. And there is very little reason to split them up. Heyman can do face work. Brock can do face work. You don't need them feuding with one another. I'm sure in Vince's mind, this is interesting because how does Brock overcome Roman? And now he's got his manager. I like Doug said, I don't care. I, I really just don't care about this unless Seth is involved in this. And this is a triple threat. This is not a match that is, this is must not watch TV because I'm tired of it. I'm just, I'm not interested in this. This does not make me want to turn on WrestleMania. Is there any way that we can get Seth Rollins the money in the bank before oh my God. WrestleMania? Who who won the money in the bank? I don't even know who the money in the bank holder is. Is there one right now? It was Big E. It was Big E. Yeah. Big E cashed in on Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. Is there Which only is one money in the bank winner? Is there not two anymore? One, one men's. One men's, one men's one woman. Women's. Yeah. Can we like? Does he have like a favor he can cash in? Like I, they've done, but you know, like remember Batista ran and they had a favor from Vince and he just cashed it in and, and got the title shot. Like just have Seth run in and act like he has the money in the bank. I don't even care if he doesn't have one; it doesn't make sense. But nothing in this company does. So it could be a lunchbox, out. you know? Yeah, honestly, yeah, he could just run out with a generic briefcase at this point and say, "I'm entering the match," and I'm like, "I'm in," um, because well, I need less than Seth joining. I don't care. Since we're gonna go to the the men's Royal Rumble match, and apparently where you know it, it doesn't matter if you have an entry in before or anything like that, and you can just come out and be an entrant. It, this is what the second time now that Brock has done this. <laughs> At least he spent more than six seconds in the match, like at Money in the Bank. <laughs> well, I was gonna say though, the Money in the Bank one was probably worse because he wasn't even announced for that. Now he wasn't announced for the Royal Rumble, but. 
at least there is a room for, you know, it's not like he came out as the number 31 entry in, which I thought would have been better if he just came in and, again and just just did that. Like, rules don't matter to him. He's just going to add himself to the match no matter what. Now, I think with the Rumble, uh, before I even talk about uh, the, the meat of it, the problem I had, so I, I think I've said before, I've kind of chosen to not watch WWE as much. And I had not watched the lead up to the rumble. So I was going in very fresh, almost like a lapsed fan. And I was definitely very disappointed. And even watching the rumble, the camera work alone was like, <laughs> I I'm sitting there watching. I'm like, wait, what, what, what is going on here? Like there's I, times I kept thinking that uh, our dad was like uh, going through like all the football games again. Yeah. Like, like, like watching AEW, there's a few times I've seen where they're like cutting cameras like to fans and stuff. I'm like, stop it. Focus on the wrestler. You know, he's coming down the, the and you want to get that mystique or you want to get you want to focus in on what is happening as opposed to like, oh, this person's thinking this. It's like, I don't care what that random guy or girl is thinking about this. I don't care. I want to see the person. And there were eliminations we missed from this. And I, I mean, I don't know if Ray I like Mysterios was missed. Yeah. Ray freaking Mysterio. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, but even Big E, wasn't he kind of like just like draw? It wasn't a like camera focused in on him and like, oh, there he goes sort of thing. Or did he, I miss that? He he kind of went off the side of the screen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, on the screen. Like, like watching this, it was just such a uh, what? Like what? What is going on here? And that to me really took me out of the men's rumble because there were there were eliminations I didn't see, and even people were like, "Wait, I think somebody just fell," but I don't know. And even like the Kofi thing, it was weird, and it just felt like it was not well booked. Like this was they did the assignment the night before and then turn it in. You know, that's exactly what happened, though. That's actually what happened. They changed the script. They, I was going to say they said I think yeah. uh, the Royal Rumble winner changed 20 times within the last week before the Royal Rumble. So you didn't have a plan going into the Royal Rumble, much like they write raw on Mondays. Right before the show is when they finally get the script. They did the same thing for the Royal Rumble and you saw the result. Nobody knew in the back what was going on, where to focus on, who was going to be eliminated and when. And that's how, that's why it, it absolutely had no uh, preparation for this whatsoever. Like, and this is the thing that is supposed to set up your biggest show of the year. Mm -hmm. Like, you should know your Royal Lumber winner for the moment the previous year's WrestleMania has ended. Like, because that means you should be now working towards the next year's WrestleMania. And they didn't know who was going to win the Rumble. What you said twenty times. Years. I mean, that that's inexcusable for a multi multi billion dollar company to not have an idea. That's like a team going in and like, I don't know who our quarterback is, and we're just gonna hopefully wing it and cheat trying all these guys. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I, I just don't. And this is exactly the kind of product you got. What are you doing? Now, this felt I like a mid nineties Rumble. Well, and I was going to say, like, uh, in the 90s, you had it was either going to be Bret Hart or Lex Luger. They weren't sure what they were going to do, and they decided to do both. Right. Kind of an interesting choice. Uh, but they had a, they, they knew what they were going to do. Right. Like there was a is they like, I don't know which one we should go with. And with this, I don't I, I mean, I heard like there were some people throwing out like Matt Riddle was supposed to win, which, I, you know, interesting, you know, like that that might have been a, a potential. But this would be a great spot to have somebody younger. And like, even though like I picked big E like it, not just because I wanted to be right, but because that would make a lot of sense. You're given somebody who's up and coming, who kind of got the title taken away from him and has been kind of screwed over. And now he has a chance to, you know, right the wrongs and take on Bobby Lashley in a real match as opposed to a money, in the bank cash in. 
And I thought that that would be a really good way of doing it. Now, Andy, That's- what about you? I think that you, you who, who is it that you had thought was going to win the Rumble? Oh, you picked AJ Styles. Yeah. Yeah. I really thought that AJ Styles was going to win here. I, I just thought that, okay, this is what, you know, he has probably a couple years left on his contract. It, it would actually be kind of interesting to have him be the one that wins the Rumble because, I mean, he got his debut at the Rumble. Uh, I just thought it would be interesting, especially if he was to uh, beat Roman Reigns. But, you know, I guess that's never going to happen. But well, yeah. one of the I was going to say one of the 20 uh, predictions uh, or possible endings actually did have AJ Styles winning it. Uh, but that got leaked online, too. So that quickly got scrapped. So I will say this to go to Aaron's point. I haven't watched in quite some time. I'd say I'm a lapsed fan. Even though I got it wrong, I got the principle right. And even I saw this coming a mile away. I knew it was going to be Roman versus Brock. I just thought it was going to be Roman losing the title and winning the Rumble, not Brock losing the title and winning the Rumble. But, I mean, it was it was clear as day. I, I think I even texted you guys in the chat. Once I saw the end of the Universal Championship finish, I was like, I know who's winning the Rumble. It was 100% certainty with a lock, take it to the bank. I'd bet $100,000 on Lesnar at that point. And you knew it. The moment number 30 came out, I was like, this isn't even close to a surprise. It's going to be Brock. He's going to come out. He's going to throw every single person out of the rumble. There was no surprise. And he did exactly that. And I was just like, that's lame. Like, I just thought, <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong with getting to an obvious conclusion. You know, we all knew Hangman was going to eventually beat Omega, but they built to it. They talked about it. It was a long story. You felt invested. So when it finally happened, it was awesome. We knew Brian would probably win at WrestleMania 30, but it still felt great because they built to the story. This does not have that same feel. It, it just feels this crap again type thing where it's like, I've seen this over and over and over and over. Please stop force feeding. I know that you've switched the alignments, but Brock versus Roman ultimately is Brock versus Roman. It's not going to be that different. Yeah. And at some point, and, I think they really need to uh, move on from just e- for giving everything to Roman and focus everything around him. Um, I know that- how many people were actually on the roster who were in the rumble for the men's. Yeah, I was going to say for men's. For men's. Um, it was like 25, I want to say, of the 30. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see anybody from NXT. Yep, there was zero NXT on there. Um, and they had, you know, Johnny Knoxville and Bad Bunny and Shane McMahon, right? So there are three, you know. Uh, Brock Lesnar, who's, a, I guess you could say, a free agent. You know, even though he was but just he's a chicken. part of the roster. Yeah. yeah. So really, Bad Bunny and Johnny Knoxville and Shane McMahon were the three. Yeah. There was no real surprises either. Mm-mm. You knew. I think I mean, the only surprise for me, I, I was like, oh, that's Shane McMahon. You know, yeah, um, well, that that was it. That was absolutely it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Shane that wasn't McMahon's that bad funny, but at the same time, did, I, when you have one celebrity entry and I don't need a second. Yep. Well, and Johnny Knoxville was like, that's that's just silly. that's promotional. It's promotional. It's silly. I, and if I and do like, it in the Drew Carey method. It can be fine. And, and I get it. I'm not like mad at them for doing that. Uh, as I mentioned, I stayed away also from spoilers. I happened to see the Ronda Rousey thing and I was like, dang it. You know, I would have rather been surprised, but uh, I had no idea about the men's. I had zero idea. And the surprises were bad bunny and Shane McMahon. And I guess you could say Brock Lesnar, but that was, you know, of course expected mm-hmm. after the conclusion of the, the title match. So uh, anyway, Brock wins last eliminates drew McIntyre. Um, you know, wait, who are the final four? So if, you, if you're trying to build up people, you know, and, and give them a good name and something to go off of and build up wrestlers, you, you might want to even say you, you put them in the final four of the Royal Rumble to help them build a build a storyline and everything like that. Do you guys know who the final four 
for the Roy- men's Royal Rumble was? Yep. Brock and three losers. Um, well, besides that, yeah. uh, Drew McIntyre, of course, was, was the final. McIntyre, Orton, and Riddle, maybe? Nope. Oh. Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny and Shane McMahon. Seriously? Bad Bunny was eliminated, uh, and then Shane McMahon, and then it was Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. So the one thing I will say is that, so typically when you get to a Final Four, it's like all four of them have a chance. It was yep. basically... Once the final boss entered, everyone was eliminated. There was no final four. It was over when here comes the pain hit. Like, I mean, honestly, he he at no point in time was he ever threatened. I don't think he leaves his feet. I don't think anyone even fakes an elimination attempt on him. Like, he literally just came in and dominated and tossed everyone out like children. It was kind of like, was it 2015 where Big Show and Kane went on that ill-fated dominating run and they started dumping people over the top Mm -hmm. rope and the crowd? completely just crapped all over it it was basically that was just brock in this match like there, there might have been a final eight it didn't matter it was brock and just he it was over like i mean literally it was game over and you can't build people when one guy comes in and just destroys everyone there, there's no build to be had after off that i was yeah, gonna say even Drew didn't get any kind of good bump off of this yeah, and he eliminated the final five people too, like just in a row. Uh, and actually, sorry, Doug, there is one minor thing. Uh, Riddle went out just um, after Bad Bunny, so technically oh, okay. Riddle was. But essentially, it was you know it was Randy Orton, then Bad Bunny, then Riddle, Shane McMahon, Drew, and obviously Brock wins. Lol. Yep. Yeah. So right. overall, <laughs> the Royal Rumble. I'm just gonna say I thought it was a dud, so I'm just gonna leave it at that. So let's wait, talk. Wait, Andy, yo, wait, wait. When you say dud. Give me of out of ten, and I want this question for all three of you. Rate this Royal Rumble out of ten. Four, two. Yep, I, I had two. I also have two. I was being optimistic. I would, say, <laughs> I would say this is the worst Royal Rumble of the two thousands on. Whatever happened to the Forbidden Door for the uh, Royal Rumble entrant? Yeah. Did people really believe that? I, I really had high hopes just due to the fact that, uh, and we'll get to the women's. Mickey James showed up, and they announced that one. So that technically is the forbidden door was open. I kind of, uh, I saw, uh, was it Cody Rhodes Instagrammed or uh, tweeted uh, an image of him flying over St. Louis. He was trolling. Like, yeah. Massively trolling. So, but again, that kind of could have made sense though, due to the fact that he has absolutely no contract right now with AEW. Bring him in for one night. Why not? Yeah, because WWE is going to cross promote for their biggest competitor. Like, there's they don't impact isn't a threat to them. We knew that when they started mentioning TNA. They're never ever going <laughs> to bring in anyone who is, you know, I don't know if they would see AEW as a threat, but they're not going to. Hey, get free exposure at the Rumble. Well, I would have laughed if they would not have called him Cody Rhodes. Uh, but if they would have just said, "Hey, look, it's it's uh, Dusty Rhodes' kid." It's the Dusty Rhodes kid. <laughs> That'd be funny too. But so we had the women's rumble. Um, not going to, I don't want to belabor the point. Ronda Rousey wins surprise entrant. Um, I think the thing though, that was more uh, telling and Roger is the point you kind of brought up, which was how many were not even part of the active roster. And we had uh, eight from raw seven from SmackDown and then 15 others. And a lot of the others didn't do anything. They were there and they just got eliminated. Ivory, which, you know, I think she's like 55 or something like she's old and she comes out there and does a little shtick, but then leaves immediately. You know, it's like, what? Huh? Uh, Molly Holly, you know, mighty Molly. 
similar thing. There was a lot of like, what, what is going on here? Sort of mentality, Roger, what, what, I mean, like when you were watching that, what were your thoughts? Well, my initial thought was where happened to the star power? You know, it wasn't that long ago that two years ago, they had a really good roster of women and this roster. I mean, at one point I think Sasha gets dumped and there was nobody in the ring who felt relevant. Like they, they had, you know, I think if I counted, I did like a little quick thing. People who you realistically thought had a chance to win the Rumble, not even counting Ronda, Charlotte, Sasha, Bianca, Rhea. I think that's it. Like, I don't think anyone else you could have talked me into, they are going to win the Rumble. I wanted Shannon to win. I knew she wasn't going to win at that point because obviously Ronda had already come out. That's that's bad. When you have 30 entrants and only four people even have a realistic chance, and one of them is number one, which means you're probably not going to win from that spot. That's usually tough to do. But this just had such a lack of star power. There was no cohesive story. The only story I really noticed was Shane, um, what's her name, uh, Sonya Deville and Naomi. They did a good job of kind of building that story throughout the match. This is a really depleted women's roster. Like they definitely don't have two shows worth. I, they barely have one show's worth. Um, I don't. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I think Doug is right that they may be prepping for a sale. The one thing I will say is that it feels like Triple H's influence has completely been negated. Like they have gone pre um, NXT Takeover Revolution, and they've gone back to that Divas era where most of the women on the roster don't seem to be great wrestlers anymore. I mean, they still have the holdovers who can go, but it's like, when you looked at the people in that rumble, you were like, there are no superstars in this rumble besides the four or five people that I named. And that's not good. Like you should have 15 to 16 people who like, yeah, maybe they won't win, but at least they can do something interesting and go to the next, uh, next level, as opposed to like, I was bored. Like half literally half this match. I was just like, can we just get this crap over with? <laughs> yeah. And you know what the thing is with that? Like the whole thing, I, I, I like, I, I don't understand why they brought Mickey James in and she was only in there for like five, six minutes. I think if you're going to bring her in, regardless of anything, at least have her in there for a while, because that's a veteran. Like, you have Natty in there because she's the one directing traffic and having to tell people what to do, which says a lot about the roster. But, I know, this one fell short for me. I thought, I this one I did not like. I think it's also because Ronda won it, and I didn't see a point of her winning because, what? Now what? Doug, let me ask you, um, I think I had brought this up many years ago, but, like, the Women's Rumble, not that it's lesser than, but, like, you have less people on the roster do you think it would be smart for them to go to like a 20 woman Royal rumble? Or do you think that that kind of cheapens it? Um, I, I have no problem with 30. Uh, it's just a matter of one. Who do you bring back? Uh, the other thing I thought was really weird is why not use some of the people in NXT? Um, I, I did see a recurring theme of, Oh, look, legend appears. Oh, legend gets thrown out. Legend appears. Legend gets thrown out. But here's a couple names that didn't show up for the Royal Rumble, and they are on your active roster, and they've been seen on shows recently. How about Alexa Bliss? Where was she? I hear she may be hurt. Okay. I mean, that that makes a little bit more sense, but um, uh, I, I heard Asuka is available. I also heard she may be hurt. 
I heard she was cleared. So that's where I got into the aspect of why not make her return at the day, uh, Royal Rumble if she's been cleared. So, yeah. So, I mean, those are two obviously big names. And you mentioned NXT and you have, you know, people that could potentially have a brush with greatness. I think they're pretty high in Raquel. You know, that's somebody, Io Shirai as well. And I imagine that there's a few others from NXT that you give them that call up and be like, hey, everybody wants to win this. So here are some people that are up and comers that potentially could and give them that final four rub, you know, which would be really nice. Yeah. And you could have also had just the simple fact of showcasing like, hey, by the way, since NXT is sucking right now, let's talk about these people. That's why I'm surprised there was not that that any in the Royal Rumble uh, NXT stars. But uh, Before so let's we compare. Move on. I was going to say, let's compare off uh, the women's versus the men's. Who are the final four for the women? And their final four did make sense. It was like Charlotte, Ronda, Shayna, and Bianca. Yep. And, and Rhea was the fifth one. Bianca or okay, yeah. So like, th- at least they did stack the end with like all of them could have won, like a hundred percent. Shayna was probably the least one that you saw winning, but you know you could have seen some screwy thing with the horsewomen, you know, screw over everyone else. Um, couple things. A, how did you guys feel about Ronda in the Rumble as far as how she looked, how she performed? You know, because like when she debuted at WrestleMania 34, I remember being very impressed with like for someone who's not really done this before. She looked crisp. She looked really good. Um, you know, obviously it was very scripted, but it's not like the Rumble wasn't scripted either. So how did you guys feel how she looked in this match? I thought she did OK. I, I sadly got called away, so I didn't get to see her like literally right before she got before her was Molly Holly, I believe. And that is when I got called away. So I, I could not watch uh, her actually come out and perform. So I had my wife message me what was going on. So the thing is, with Battle Royals, you have a lot of like, OK, just like punch me in the corner for a little bit. OK, now hold me down. You know, you, and she's not used to that, right? Like her matches were essentially a marquee match, right? She might have wrestled once on Raw. And then she wrestles at the pay-per-view. You know, that's like what she was doing. They were uh, protecting her, which is good. I mean, that you know, like, hey, you have to pay to see her sort of thing. Makes sense. But if she's not used to, hey, like, this is a, a battle royal. Here is what you do. Um, I think that she was kind of like, wait, I, I, what do I th- Oh, no. Uh, okay. I'm supposed to put you in the corner. Okay. Now I'm going to, like, kind of hit you a little bit. There was a lot of that where she was mistimed and she didn't know exactly what to do they'll cover that up in the packages and they'll show her like punching and like make it really impactful um but like yeah as far as like her performance you know she's not brock lesnar she hasn't been there for a long time you know she's not somebody like charlotte flair that knows her way around the ring um you know so yeah i mean i like her performance i mean on the scale of 10 probably like a a two or three i agree and actually the point you made is i don't think you put ronda rousey in this situation right like you you put her in marquee matches where it's one-on-one and you can rehearse and talk about it i don't know about you guys i don't feel like ronda needed this to she could have come back the night after the rumble stepped to becky lynch or charlotte and said i want my title back and it wouldn't have looked out of place like she logically has a rematch i mean there's just nothing was nothing wrong with that. And I think we all just said like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Ronda Rousey is a headliner. She's a main inventor. You could have had somebody else win the rumble who doesn't have a claim to the championship. And then you've got two marquee women's matches, but I don't think she looked good in this. Uh, you know, well, she had a baby. Obviously it's going to be tough to come back off of that and just be rusty, but you're putting her in a rumble situation where she's not comfortable. 
I don't think this did anyone any favors because Ronda Rousey isn't a bigger name for having won the Rumbles. He's already Ronda Rousey. Um, does it get more clicks though because Ronda Rousey won the Royal Rumble? Yeah, it does. It does get more clicks, but also Ronda Rousey returning gets clicks. Like, I mean, when she mm. returned after the night Oscar won the championship, it's still you know it's she could have come out after Becky beat Dewdrop and that would have gotten just as many clicks. If she steps and you see the look of them going face to face, that gives you just as many clicks as her winning the Rumble because Ronda Rousey's back. So you didn't need to have her win the Rumble. Someone else who needed a Rumble win, like a Shayna Baszler could have used this yeah she could have won the rumble and what could have happened is that big time bex could have actually came in and cost ronda that opportunity to win the rumble and i think that would have been a better storyline yeah but who you're gonna have uh ronda face are you gonna have her face charlotte or are you gonna have her face becky becky who would i or who's wwe gonna have yeah. face <laughs> right yeah okay the, the, well, question, the question was i who would oh, who well, would becky you Lynch. have her face easily uh, becky Lynch. So I, I think uh, the last thing I will say on this is that um, Big E should have won, and I think Bianca should have won. You have redemption arcs there. Big E gets to take the title from Bobby Lashley. That makes sense. And you have Bianca, who got just like completely embarrassed at SummerSlam, and which a terrible storyline, and then she just loses constantly to Becky Lynch. This is her redemption. This is her saying, I am a two-time Royal Rumble winner, and back I am to going winner. to take – What now? Yep. Back-to-back winner. Back-to-back, the two-time, back-to-back Royal Rumble winner. I'm taking back that belt. And, like, I was, you know what? I should not have faced you then. I was not ready for you. I am now. That is a redemption arc. That is a, like, oh, you know, potential woman of the year, you know, wrestler, like, right there. No, they, I I don't know what they're going to even do with Becky Lynch. And, obviously, I know next month we'll talk about kind of what the potential uh, matches will be. But I think that having Lesnar and Ronda win, I think both mistakes. You know what you just described, Aaron? A cohesive storyline? Long-term booking. <laughs> I wonder if you actually went to any of the creative people, if you said that, what, what their reaction would be. They would laugh. You'd get thrown out of the room. You, you, mean, you, mean, at, you mean 8 p.m. tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, dumbass. Uh, but yeah, so let's uh, talk. Let's actually go. We've been talking about storylines. So let's actually talk about AEW because they got some really good ones going on right now. We have CM Punk taking on MJF, probably the number one heel in wrestling right now. And they're on a collision course. So, Aaron, what's going on with this? Yeah, so uh, they've been having a war of words. Um, we were actually really lucky. We were able to see them uh, for the Thanksgiving show. And we got to see them come out and just go back and forth on each other. and. You know, MJF has been uh, ducking and dodging and not wanting to take on CM Punk. And it looks like revolution is finally when we're going to see these two uh, lock up. But I've enjoyed this. I think that, you know, like we just talked about with long term planning, I think this has been really well done. The only criticism I will say about this is and I love MJF. He is fantastic. I do not like he's had three major feuds with Cody, uh, with um, uh, Jericho and now Punk and all three. He like ha- like they have to go through labors in order to get to MJF. That's fine for one of them, maybe even a second one. But like, it's just like kind of a little like paint by numbers at this point. It's like, hey, you have to go and face Juventud Guerrero. You have to now face Wardlow. You have to face this, and you have to do this. And it's like, wait, what? Like this? That's weird. You know, I think that that's unnecessary for me for me and my taste. Other than that, though, I have really enjoyed it. I will say that's a very classic horseman move. 
you know, you didn't get to fight Ric Flair. You had to fight Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, whoever the other member of the Horseman was before you got to Flair. You know, you, you don't just get to walk up to the final boss. You got to earn your way through a couple of levels. I do agree with you that it's a bit paint by numbers and formulaic. I liked the idea that, uh, Hey, maybe we see like Wardlow change his mind or, you know, I would have loved, and I know that they are absolutely, um, taking their time with that build, but the idea of Wardlow just refusing to powerbomb punk, I thought would have been a good twist where maybe he's starting to break away from the pinnacle. And he's like, ah, you're just kind of a punk. Like, yeah, you pay my salary, but like, I just don't respect you anymore. Um, and you know, I, I take the time, but this, this kind of shows the opposite of what we we're talking about. I want to see MJF get punched in the mouth by punk so badly that I am excited for evolution. Like they don't need to rush it. I don't even need to see it this week on dynamite. Keep letting them take these verbal shots at one another. And I mean, they've taken some real shots at each other. I mean, uh, Make, calling MJF a less famous Miz is one of the more brutal insults that I think I've heard on AEW TV. Um, I think MJF brought up the lawsuit. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard that in a promo this week. He brought up how, you know, everyone's brought up how Punk has left, but kind of the fact that he turned his back and, and, and took his ball and went home, which is a, a criticism of CM Punk. That isn't something that people have, you know, uh, shied away from. They said, like, look, you got pissed that you didn't get what you wanted and you took your ball and went home. Whether he's right or wrong is up for debate, but this feud feels real. Like, I don't think they have real heat on one another, but it feels like when they get in the ring, they're going to tear each other apart. And that's what you want in a storyline. You want to see two guys. It's like when punk came out in his tape, he's like, I'm so sick of this crap. I just want to beat the life out of you. I think the crowd is ready for it. I think MJF's doing a good job of just teasing us along. And he's like, Oh yeah, you can have spears and you can have Wardlow, and you can have, you know, him running from punk in that six man tag was so genius because it just showed like this dude will do anything to get under your skin. And when the match finally happens, he's going to have punk so lathered up in a rage that I'm, I'm sure he's going to beat him somehow by taking advantage of punk's anger. And it's like, MJF, kind of like the way Ric Flair was. He was such a detestable heel. You hated him. You wanted someone to beat him so badly that when it finally happened, you would get that roar from the crowd. So I think they've done a really good job with this. Like this has been the best feud, you know, since Paige and Omega concluded. This has been kind of their top thing, and I'm loving it. It's really, really good. I will. Uh, I just want to add in the fact that I think having people go through. You know, FTR, Wardlow, Sean Spears for work to get to MJF just elevates him even more due to the fact that that's how big of a a matchup or a marquee man that he is, that you have to go through those people to get to him. And I think that helps his his character in that aspect. But I do get Aaron's point. How many times do we have to go through this uh, before it starts getting old? And I think you're right. It is going to start getting old. And. You know, is, is this something you're going to do when when he does eventually become champion? Is it going to be a, you know, by the numbers thing where you have to go through so many people to finally get to him? Um, but overall, it has been a great feud. It has been a classwork of promos. Just the, the constant back and forth between them is it's been very, very entertaining to a point where I don't even need matches. I just need to watch them go at it in a in a in a debate. Let's let's do an academic debate with them. Now, Andy, uh, we also had um, Sammy Guevara. He won. He lost. He won the interim title and then he won the real title for the TNT championship. Uh Obviously, the latter match was pretty good, but uh, what are your thoughts kind of on his progression and what they're doing with the TNT title? 
I mean, it's okay. I, I guess I'm not really that much of a fan of Sammy, but I mean, they they're elevating him. So I guess, you know, they're trying to make superstars, but I'm, I'm just really not a fan of his for some reason. Uh, but I did say that about a couple other people, Eddie Kingston. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how, how this progresses. I, it's really depends on what program they're going to put Sammy in. And, and basically, if it's going to be good storytelling, uh, because then because he can go in the ring. That's that's very obvious. But I guess he needs like that extra thing to really make me uh, want to see him wrestle every night. Um, it, it, the the back and forth just makes me wonder what's going on backstage, really, in the aspect that you have Cody, whether he has he's working on a handshake deal right now, uh, if that had anything to do with it. But if you knew that going into this feud, why even have him win the title back? It just this is one of the few times that I think their their long term long term booking that AEW has done and very very well has kind of backfired because of well with Cody getting COVID or now Cody doesn't have a contract and what is he going to do and all this other stuff or is he going just to be a TV personality or or what? It's just it it, it it's a Bad mark on AEW for such a great product that they have. So, you know, it's interesting, Andy. I kind of agree with you that I'm not the biggest Sammy fan myself. Um, and now, I say that in the sense of I think he's an extremely talented in-ring wrestler. And he had the unfortunate um, situation of having to follow the best TNT reign ever in Miro. So that's just going to be difficult. But something about Sammy doesn't click for me as a face. Like he has the same quality that TJP has where it's like as a heel, you work as a face. I want to punch you in the face. And like every time Sammy does that stupid thing with his tongue or anything, like he doesn't have a convincing promo voice. And it's just like you work as a smarmy little heel, but as a face, you just, I don't like you. And then on top of that, and then this whole back and forth crap with Cody didn't do him any favors. To me, I think there was an easy story to be told with, hey, kid, you've never beaten me. Um, instead of Cody winning the title for a third time, they just fight to a draw. He still hasn't beaten him. Let's settle this once and for all. Let's do the ladder match. Maybe they do it at Battle of the Belts. Instead, you have this dumb interim title crap, and they fight Dustin Rhodes, who I don't really care about. And The TNT title at one point was one of my favorite parts of the show. Right now, it's – I'm not on the hate Cody train, but I have to admit he did not do this any favors over the last couple months. And I'm bored with this part. Like, this is kind of like Doug said, one of the rare missteps that I think AEW has taken. I want Sammy away from the title. I would love for Ethan Page to take it from him or Scorpio Sky or someone like that and let some new people get some fresh faces. I think Sammy needs a heel turn. And he, much like Pride and, or what are they called? Uh, yeah, Pride and Powerful, whatever they are, they need to get away from Jericho. This inner circle crap has gone on far too long. It's very NWO to me right now. It's played out and it's old and. It's not doing anyone any favors except for Jericho. So the quicker they get away from that, the better I think Sammy and PMP will be long term. Now you you bring up uh, you know like we were talking about good you know story good storytelling, and we had Adam Page actually defeat Daniel Bryan or sorry Brian Brian Danielson, which I thought was very interesting that they would do it. So uh, you know right now uh, you know Page is going to Archer and. Uh, Looks like Daniel Bryan is going to be heading over to Mox. I mean, so with these two, I mean, what do you think uh, of these basically two feuds that they're coming up with right now? Um, as far as Mox and Bryan, you can inject that directly into my veins. I am 
incredibly excited about watching those two match up. It'll be hard hitting. It'll be fun. You don't even need to do any sort of stupid story behind it. You can just let these two want to beat the crap out of each other. And that's good enough for me. You know, you don't need to get personal. You don't need to bring up Mox's alcohol or anything like that. Just let them get in the ring and fight. Adam Page, the idea of him being Brian, I think is cool because it's another notch in his belt over Omega. Not only did I beat Omega, I beat the guy you couldn't beat. Now, granted, it took two matches and it came after a 60-minute draw. So that's fine. That's that's what Omega can retort with. But it continues to make Adam Page look like the guy. Your champion should look like the best wrestler in the world. And he's now beaten Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson back to back. Now, obviously, he should beat Lance Archer. They should move on to the next feud. I don't even I don't want that match at Revolution. I think that's a good dynamite match. That's a fine team, you know, uh, TNT or TBS main event. Great. No problem with that. I want to see him and Adam Cole because I think that that brings a little bit more friction with the young bucks. You know, do they want Adam Cole to win that championship and be the new guy? And now Kenny Omega is displaced or, you know, I think you can kind of continue that simmering elite versus the undisputed elite type feud. Adam Cole, they've already talked about he's top five. He has no losses because remember him and Orange Cassidy was lights out. So it didn't count similar to Brett Baker. Um, but yeah, I think Adam Page right now is is on the right track. You know, I'd say I wouldn't say he's the clubhouse leader, but he's in the running for 2022 Wrestler of the Year, which you know, fantastic for him. I agree with what Roger said in the aspect that Mox and Brian don't need anything. In fact, this is a it was kind of a tease and, and an unfortunate incident too, where uh, they probably were supposed to meet in the finals of that uh, number one contenders tournament. So going back to this is absolutely. Perfectly fine. Excuse me. Perfect. Perfectly fine. I can't wait to see it. And it, it, it the names itself is the setup. So just have have each other show up at each other's matches or after each other's matches and do the brush offs. That's perfectly fine. And then say, all right, we're fighting. And and, and no games. Just we're fighting. Um. As for Adam Page, uh. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't think any one of us believe that Archer truly has a chance. I, I think that if he is Archer, I'm glad to see him back. But that's another person that probably could have been set up a little bit more by winning a couple of matches before he, you know, gets to see Adam Page. But you know what? He's he's a good setup boss. He's that kind of a uh, good feel where he is the the bad guy before the the final thing. No problem. Um, as to where to go with it, uh, again, Roger hit the, hit the hit the nail with uh, Adam Cole is going to be your next truly good contender, I think. And uh, hopefully, I, I don't know if that's revolution. I, see, I hate saying that it's not revolution worthy. Or I would say it's more of a thing that I would like to see at a double or nothing or one of their bigger pay-per-views. But when Aaron and I went to see Revolution, I think that kind of, I mean, when you only do four true pay-per-views, they all really are big and, and should count for everything. So, uh, you know what? Why not put it on Revolution? Yeah, I think uh, you guys definitely took the words out of my mouth as it pertains to Mox and Brian. The thing, um, I, I gotta say, I love the build-up. Uh, the, the promo package that they did with Paige and Archer when he, they said it's going to be, I think a Texas death match. And he goes, what? Like there's that surprise there that, that actually, I will say for me, it's not that I don't like Paige. I just think that like, he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, he's, he, he was supposed to win the title and he's fine as a champion. 
like it's so silly but him going what like really made me like him a lot more than a lot of the other stuff that he's done because that gave him a lot of more character that i feel like he i don't want to say was lacking because that's not the right way but for my tastes that made me go hey yeah you know he is the face and he will take on all comers but there's that like oh crap i might have bit off more than i can chew i'm gonna take him on and i'm gonna fight but that's a little scary for me. I got to do a Texas death match with a guy that's, you know, got six inches on me and is built. Oh, you know, like that's that could be scary. And I, I think that, like I said, for my taste, I really enjoyed that. And so when this match happens, I'm actually going to I'm going to tune in for this match. Excited to see it. All right. Yeah. I, I, of course, like exactly what's been going on. So but especially with uh, the whole thing with Mox now going to be taking on uh, Dan- Daniel Bryanson. Or I'm sorry. Brian Danielson, I messed it up. And then, of course, with Lance Archer and Adam Page going out. I cannot wait to see those matches. And then we have we have uh, Don. How do you say his name, Aaron? It's uh, Dan Housen. Dan Housen. Very good. Very evil. Very yeah. nice. Very evil. Oh, very sorry. elite. Very elite. So what do you think about him so far? I mean, he came from uh, what? Ring of Honor. Is that right? Mm hmm. So uh, one of the signings that they they took over, um, I think he made his first real AEW kind of debut was on Jericho's boat. Uh, ever since then, he has been doing a bunch of his own vlogs or whatever you want to call them uh, with AEW wrestlers. So this was just a matter of timing. But if you like Orange Cassidy, you're going to like Dan Housen. This is uh, he, he's kind of very much on that that line of entertainment. He is a character. Um, he has some some good wrestling capabilities, um, but you're going to just enjoy the, the ride with Dan Housen. And the way they brought him out, I think, was just classic in the aspect that you didn't expect him. Uh, he came out to help his buddy, uh, Orange Cassidy, and but he didn't really do anything either. He just kind of stopped the or delayed the chair shot that Adam Cole was going to give uh, OC. So it, he, uh, like I said, I guess it, it, you really have to watch some of his stuff. There was, a, I mean, he is, there's a reason why he was my number two newcomer of the year. Um, uh, ever since I was exposed to his wrestling and, and some of his character work, it just, I've enjoyed catching up and trying to find out as much as I can about Dan Housen, much to the same that I did when I first saw Orange Cassidy. Uh, so this has been a wonderful time. I can't wait to see what he does in AEW. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you contradict me, essentially. So fair enough. From what I've seen of Dan Housen, I'm not that impressed. Like, and I like Orange Cassidy because he's different and it's very unique. And I'm not saying Dan Housen's bad. It's not like Marco Stun where I see him and I just I I hate him. Like I I hate I physically hate him. Like twenty twenty in the same year, Marco Stunt. Like, uh, but uh, with Dan Housen, it's like, like okay, what is this? You know, like, and I, I I'm more than happy to be like, oh, you know, actually I love him. Like, but from what I've seen, I'm just like, he seems just like a a really indie guy. You know, like that's what I'm getting from him. So I don't know. I mean, like, I haven't really seen a whole lot of his stuff. It's just been the random things that I see, like, on Squared Circle. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess he comes out and he says I'm very evil, you know. And 
that's that. So I don't know. I mean, Roger, maybe you can help me out with this. So to my knowledge, Dan Housen is like a schemer. He's always trying to get money and teeth, and he's obviously a weird character. The thing that I like about Dan Housen, and I think we talked about this when Ring of Honor was kind of announced their weird little thing, where it's like, hey, all the contracts are getting dropped. I said, he's one of the guys they should bring over. The reason I think he's a good fit and I like him is that, hey, um, AEW has a lot of guys who can wrestle but don't really have like a character. Like I can go up and down the roster. Like what is Brian Cage's character? Uh, he's just a dude who's big and can wrestle. You know, there, there's there's a ton of guys who are just really good wrestlers. You know, what what's Brock Anderson's character? Oh, he's the the son of Arn Anderson. What's uh, Lee Moriarty's character? What's Matt Seidel's character? What's Captain Sean Dean's character? I mean, right? They're just they're all guys who can wrestle. Even uh, Daniel Garcia, he's got a little bit of a character. He's got like a punk kid who thinks Baron is. But most of the guys are just guys who can wrestle really well. Dan Housen brings an actual built-in character. And what I like is that you need to have in-ring fugues revolve around it. You know, I saw a hilarious idea on Squared Circle today that was like, Andrade has been trying to buy Darby Allen, like acquire his services. I would love nothing more than Jose to have messed up and accidentally acquired Dan Housen. And then you just have these little comedic sketches every week where Andrade is like, is this is Darby? And, and Jose's like, uh-huh. Yeah, this is this is Sting's kid. He's like, are you sure? He's like, yep. And then Dan House is just like, give me my money. Give me my like. I just I think he can be that guy. You just certain random feuds, and he brings a funny element. You know, similar to the way like the Fashion Police used to be, or Santino used to be. Like, there's a place for good comedy. I think there's a place for characters who like Dan House never needs to win a match. He's not a guy that you have to build up and put over people. He could lose all the time. The crowd's gonna laugh at his silly hijinks. He, you know, he's the perfect guy to, oh, hey, we just had this really good match. Now let's go back and do a 10-minute segment with Dan Housen and another character while we cool off. And now we're going to the main event. It's like those are the kind of things I think AEW has been lacking because they need more characters. And he is truly just a character. He's a bit of a silly character, but it's the type of character that I think that works. And because he can, he's bulletproof in the sense of like it doesn't matter if he loses. So it's like when you have a bunch of guys who do need wins, you need guys who, you know, Orange Cassidy can take losses and it's fine to a point. But at a certain point, he gets buried. Dan Housen could lose 100 matches in a row, and he's still very evil, and he's still trying to collect teeth, and he's still trying to get his money. I mean, it's just that's to me, that's the kind of character you need because you know when we, we love the Attitude Era. The Attitude Era worked because you had guys with story and character all throughout the card. It wasn't just the main event; it was the mid card, it was the lower card, all the way through, and you had good stories. Dan Housen is one of those guys who can help improve that lower card. Yeah, no, and I, I agreed 100 percent about the character thing because. It is a character, and there's a lot of people in AEW that just don't have a character, you know, and, you know, who knows what they're doing with them. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you there. We will see. I love the Fashion Police. They they were the highlight of SmackDown for the longest time. I will say I was not a Santino fan, though. I did not care for his character a whole lot. Um, and with Dan House, and I think if it's more on the santino side than the orange cassidy side i think i probably will not like him that much but we'll see you know i'm actually i hope that in a couple months we'll have a chance to talk about him some more uh and kind of see what he's able to do there before we move on just a quick question and maybe this is just me but doesn't lance archer feel directionless like to the point that he almost needs to join like a stable and 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 have some help because he just feels like the guy you beat before you fight somebody important. You know, Miro beat him to establish his reign. Cody beat him to win the title. I don't know that Archer has any signature wins. I think we give him a less than 1% chance of winning the title. 
but yeah, you know, if Wardlow eventually breaks off from the pinnacle, I feel like Archer is the perfect fit to kind of replace and be the heavy because he's a good guy that you throw in front of people for MJF to hide behind. But I don't know what Archer and Jake doesn't seem to be around all that much. And it's like uh, Archer is limited enough that I don't feel he's a guy you build around. Whereas I think Wardlow eventually you can build around and he can be a solo star. Like I would almost swap places with those two. And I agree with you on that one, uh, Roger. So let's thank our sponsor, HostGator. Are you a blogger or a podcaster? You're just not happy with your web hosts? You need to check out HostGator.com. You're going to find web hosting made easy and affordable. HostGator offers unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click script installs, or a free bill of hands on the best control panel out there. Stop by today and try free demo to see easiest interview special coupon code off the mark. You're going to say 25% off your web hosting packages. So what do you got to lose? Check out HostGator.com and take a bite of your web hosting costs. Also, you make sure you check out Section 86's off the mark page. Click on the at the top <sighs> and click on the banner at the top to save big on items from wshop.com so let's talk about our fantasy draft so uh our winner uh for uh how many years in a row now is it doug just one just one just oh, one okay. all right i'm a returning champ though ah and what's I that mean, like? we, we have we've had four people in the pickums for i don't know how many more years or five years now and we've had two champions this year's gonna be different though let me just say that yeah. now, uh, so real quick just a, a little bit of background um back in 2017 roger had a really great idea for us to do a essentially a draft of all the available uh wrestling talent at that time i believe AEW wasn't even a thing i don't know if all out had happened i think that was 2018 is maybe when all out or all in had happened and um you know, so there was a lot of talent that was out there for WWE and JPW and a lot of others. And so he had a great idea that we, why don't we do a draft and say, Hey, if you started a promotion, you know, these would be your folks. And so we did that. It was a lot of fun and, you know, not to do it every year because there won't be a whole lot of changes. So, uh, it's been five years, which is kind of crazy. I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, but we decided to do another one. And so, uh, you know, a really interesting uh, kind of first few rounds. I know, Doug, obviously you started off because you had won the Pickums the previous year. So it went you, Roger, myself, and then Andy. And Doug, you went with the uh, with Kenny Omega. Yep. Two-time uh, back-to-back winners of Wrestle of the Year, I think. Uh, or at least in my book. <clears throat> That's what I, I mean. When you win Wrestle of the Year, how do you not pick that person as your number one choice yeah and so uh of course like when we're uh kind of creating our roster and, and constructing it you're probably going to go for the heavy hitters first you know there's not a uh you know a set amount of people that you can have so you want to go for the, the the best possible and i think the first few rounds definitely show that uh i know obviously roger you took mjf i took danielson andy you took punk and then we wrap around there's a few other really big ones there uh the first kind of divergent though doug actually to go back to you was you took the young bucks so you were actually the wait, first wait, wait we've got one way before then um andy has been very vocal on his dislike of roman reigns like very vocal exactly and yet when push came to shove in round two the fifth overall pick andy grant and with a lot of talent on the board he took Roman Reigns. Like he took Roman over Adam Cole, over Page, over the Bucks. I think we need to stop there and have a quick little conversation, Andy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I actually. That. So I want to tell you why I did that is because I knew that uh, eventually I would get the Lucha Brothers and I would have just handicap matches: Lucha Brothers versus Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns has to um, tag, air tag somebody, and he gets a, a, just a three second breather. 
And then they go back to town on him. And it just keeps happening over and over again to the point where the crowd's like, all right, we get it. We get it. We get it. Just pin him. And they pin him. And then they're like, we want more now. And they just keep eating the crap out of him. Every it's week. Just the so torture show. I'm so happy we talked about this. <laughs> we can uh, we can end this show right now as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm just glad that we discussed why he took Roman second to bury him. I'm good. I have nothing else needed to be contributed. Have a so, good night, folks. <laughs> I will say I had assumed uh, Roger, similar to what you had said when you took you took um Roman Reigns uh, with third, uh the third round. Um in 2017 and you said well yeah i mean i will make him a heel you know i will do what wwe wouldn't do so if i'm starting a, a promotion i would take a roman Reigns so that way you could utilize him andy i had assumed that's kind of what you had done but apparently it was a different <laughs> different thought no 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 they would be the crap out of 2017, my idea was to do what they eventually would do with him was with the tribal chief i will turn him into a dominant heel who the crowd will hate so that when my baby face beats him it will get cheers and that is what Roman is right now. I think we all agree in the last two years, this has been his best work of his career by far, mm-hmm. way better than anything he's done as a face. And he admittedly, he has a good look. He has a good build. He, While he is not a great promo, he is a much better promo as a heel. Um, his ring work has improved. You know, last night or two nights ago with Seth, it's come a long, long way. Now, obviously, look, you and I and everybody on this podcast can get in the ring with Seth Rollins and probably going to be a two and a half, three star match because Seth is that good. But Roman did more than just get carried. He held his own and, and played his part to perfection. So it, it makes sense. I just knew there was a different reason why Andy took him and it was just worth discussing. And it just, boom. thank you, Andy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, uh, Doug, you were the first one to uh, take a tag team, and you did that with your third pick overall. Uh, what was the thought process with that? Uh, wanting to get a tag team early and like get one of the best possible? Um, <clears throat> very much. Uh, so my second pick was Will Ospreay, who was my number two, uh, my number two uh, wrestler of the year. So I got the top two people I had. I had to get the top tag team. And again, that being the Young Bucks, I'm just going to go for the award winners, the people that are going to bring the biggest, uh, the best matches and biggest money. And to me, that's that's the young bucks for tag teams. All right. And then, uh, Roger, for you, uh, you took a woman in your fifth uh, round um, and you went, uh, you know, three in a row with women with Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks and Tony Storm. Seems like you wanted to establish your women's division early with uh, some of the big stars. Yeah, so you know, even in 2017, notice I didn't pick a tag team. Um, I think I, I take it back. I picked two tag teams. I just—it's easy to create tag teams. I don't think Vince has actually ever been wrong in the sense that you can create tag teams because you can put two floundering single stars together and create. You know, that's what American Alpha was. Jason Jordan was going nowhere. Chad Gable was going nowhere. Oh, look at that! Put them together and it's great. The problem is that when you break them up with enough story, then you just have, well, two floundering single stars, or you put them in another tag team. Um, whereas I think. When you have, you know, what Becky Lynch has shown is that as a main event woman, she is a draw. You know, that run that she went on as the man was, hey, that's main event worthy. Sasha Banks main eventing night one of WrestleMania, main event worthy. So, you know, you give me a main event of women and you give me a main event of men and then I'll create tag teams from the rest and it'll be fine. And I think you can, I think you can build a promotion. If you've got superstars on both ends of the spectrum, you can build everything else. So to me, I prioritized, Hey, I want to get quality women. I'm going to go first. I know you guys had kind of already taken the bucks and the Lucha bros. And I think even FTR before I had taken Becky. So it was like, right after. 
right uh or no right before right before yeah so you took ftr right before and he's like well okay there we go um so yeah and and i like the women's roster i ended up getting so i certainly am, am happy with who i have now andy is there anyone that you had picked in the later rounds that you were surprised that they were still there or somebody that you thought wow i get a really good value pick out of this person i got it all right i'm, I'm gonna say it right now so my pick for for number 11 i picked the briscoe brothers and the reason why is because i was gonna let the briscoe brothers do a match any type of match that they want <laughs> preferably <laughs> a hell of a cell and rowan reigns is gonna be in there with one arm <laughs> tied behind his back <laughs> I'm not saying what's going to happen, but the Briscoe brothers had to put a curtain up and Rowan Reigns just gets shocked a bunch of times. All I saw was a car battery and some jumper tape heels in there. That's it. I'm not saying that's what's, what happened, but we'll just say it was interesting. This so besides that, Damien promotion I have ever heard in my entire life. Besides that, Damien Priest and um I I still like uh uh um uh, uh what's uh, da, 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 uh nikki cross i thought i still like those two picks so to round uh, up Aaron, my, uh, before division. you move on I, I do have a serious question for andy looking back at your roster are there any picks that you made that you kind of think like mm, i wish i'd grabbed somebody else who went later like one of the like a little buyer's regret if you get what i'm, I'm going after well okay so yeah there, there there is a there is a couple um so i i was you know looking at the roster i was like you know what it would be really interesting to have two Samoas Samoans go at go at it, and it would be really smart to have Samoa Joe put him in a, a ring octagon, we'll say, with a cage over it <laughs> again with Rowan Reigns, but this time with one leg tied behind his back, and Samoa Joe cannot get out of there for fifteen minutes, and he has to punish Roman the entire time. Now, by that time, eventually Roman's just going to want to give up, but no, Samoa Joe's like, nope. I heard my music and he's dancing in the back right now. He just got out of the cage for no reason is dancing because why not? He heard his music. Oh, Doug, Doug, uh, Aaron's question and my question. Yeah, Doug, is there anyone that you picked that you were like, this was a great value pick? Um, I like my number 14 with Nick Aldis. Uh, and then my number 17 with Moose, uh, getting top, uh, wrestlers in different promotions. Uh, even though they haven't been on any major uh, TV in a while, uh, they are still great wrestlers. They're the number ones in their promotions. Uh, to get them that late, I think, was a, a great add to my roster. Yeah, and I actually, Roger, I was about to uh, mention, I, you know, I think that 23, Braun Breaker, was really great because of how young he is. Uh, and that was one I didn't even think about. And I was like, oh, I really wish I would have, uh, you know, taken him a little bit earlier. And it was really funny towards the end for me. A lot of my picks were taken and I was just like, oh, you know, Roger got the Iconics, you know, or Doug, you got Alexa Bliss. And, you know, they were on my list. And I was like, you know, the later rounds, I was I was surprised to see how many more people were taken that I had on my list than the earlier ones. Uh, Ricochet. I think was his best value pick because had I thought about him, I would have taken him because he's fantastic. Despite the fact that he's done nothing in WWE for the last, who knows how long that dude, I remember when we watched him in Gargano and he is unreal. Like he does things that other people just really cannot do. Um, so I remember when Doug picked him, I was like, I completely forgot about him. And that's a great pick. Uh, I love that one um, entirely. Well, it, it, it was a great matchup to, because I still think 
one of my overall top five matches is still Will Ospreay versus Ricochet. Um, it's, it's by far one of the best matches. And I would, I mean, like, like, uh, Andy just keeps beating up on Roman every week. I think I could (laughs) showcase those two every week and it just be lights out best match of the night. Roger for you. Uh, I'm going to ask Doug real quick and then I'll do the same. Doug, any picks that you have a little buyer's remorse where you're like, "Mm, maybe I took him too early. I wish I'd grabbed somebody else instead. Um, I wish I would have gotten Okada. Uh, I was kind of thinking that because uh, I think I'm one of the bigger New Japan wrestler fans here that I could wait on some of that talent and get them at a value later uh, than I did. So I, I kind of wish I would have gotten Okada. Um, it's, when you picked up Joe with the last round, Roger, I was absolutely floored because that was somebody on my list that I had and just completely forgot about. Um, there, uh, there's just, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, we all have great rosters. Let's just face it. We all have great rosters. It was just a matter of uh, who got who and when. Uh, I, I do think that there could have been like, I, I think I could have waited on getting Nick Aldis and Camille um, just due to the fact that again, names that aren't necessarily known, uh, but they got to a point where I had to have, I, I have to have them on my roster and I was too worried that somebody would pick them up. Uh, I think also the Usos, you got a really good value pick at 18. Like that's, they're a really good tag team mm-hmm. to get that late. Um, I, so it's funny cause Andy, you made the phenomenal picket for, like I had Okada penciled in, like I was taking him in that slot. Um, and I just was like, when Doug passed on him, I was like, he's not going to pass on him a, a, a third or fourth time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have Okada and Brock and Hangman and MJF. And then you picked him. And I was like, wow, that, and then I was like, well, it's fine because you know, Aaron's going to pick AJ Styles. So I have Moxley and then, uh, so be it. Um, so to answer your question, Aaron, as far as value, I, th- Look, if Samoa Joe's healthy, that's by far the best value pick of the draft because I got him at 25, but I don't know how healthy he is. So assuming that he is hurt, um, I, I really like Matt Riddle at 23. Like, he's a really fun character. I loved him in NXT. I think he can be a really high-end attraction. Um, so I enjoyed that one for sure. Um, Orange Cassidy, I was surprised he lasted so long. Uh, I didn't think he would get to the 20th round. So uh, when he was still there, I actually like triple-checked to make sure because you know he's a, a featured attraction, so I was happy with him. Uh, and then just the amount of women that I was able to get quality wise, you know, I've got a roster, three of the four horsewomen and none of them are the problem children. So I don't have to worry about Rick's daughter, um, her car, Rashida, you know, I, I think we all speak very highly of her getting Ember, getting Candice, getting the iconics for a tag division, getting Mandy Rose with toxic attraction. Um, I think Zelina Vega is a great manager type heel role. She can also eat losses. Not a big deal. Uh, I don't have a lot of buyer's regret just because I got a lot of variety and I kind of intensely did that. A Gargano, I, I wanted Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson, but I wasn't going to get him. So I figured I'd get Johnny Gargano, which is kind of the next best thing. If you want to talk about underdog baby faces, Walter, I didn't think he would last that long. I love Walter. I love his style, his hard hitting, just powerful stuff. So, you know, I would build an entire pure wrestling division around him. You know, his whole, the ring is sacred that I think does already still have the pure championship. I feel like that's a thing. 
I don't know if you they might have merged it, but I'm not sure. They have, yeah. So they basically had a pure championship that was, you know, it's all about uh, you only get three rope breaks. Everything has to be in the ring. You know, have a very wrestling oriented. There's no screwy finishes. It's all about in the ring and just let Walter just go to work. You know, matches with him and Miro would be fun. Uh, Cesaro, I really enjoyed. Uh, Andrade, I really enjoyed. I, I maybe the only buyers of Morse I'd have would have been like Zelina Vega, but I mean, she was at 24, so I might have been able to get somebody better. There's some people that I missed out on that I would say, as far as remorse, like not getting Io Shirai, I would have loved to have added her to my roster. Okada was like the one I really wanted. Um, I initially I was a little bummed that I didn't get Roman, but after hearing Andy's, <laughs> I'm so happy that he has Roman, and that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, Aaron, you went on quite the women's run. I don't think I really paid attention to that, but like you went five straight picks of just getting yeah. big, powerful and like all a similar type, right? Jade, Rhea, Raquel. I don't think Perelzo is, but Jordan Grace, like all of them are just well, beefy, they, strong women. Well, yeah. So like Jade Cargill, obviously, like she is very different looking, right? And then you have Ray Ripley, who also is very different looking, Raquel Gonzalez. I wanted to like, I like variety when it comes to you know, the, when it comes to wrestlers and wrestling, if everybody looks like Daniel Bryan, nobody sticks out. Right. And I think that was one of the issues AEW had when they first started was like, nobody was above like five foot nine, <laughs> you know, like they were all <laughs> the same height. And then you have, you know, Lance Archer, you had Brian cage. And it was like, okay, these are different looking people. And then obviously the, the roster expanded, got a little bit bigger. And I wanted the same thing. And when it came to the women, uh, I would say like kind of similar, I wanted to get like a variety in there. Um, one of the things like kind of looking back at it is Deanna Perazzo. I think she's probably the smallest one in, in comparison to all the other women. Uh, so I don't know how her styles would necessarily match with, with the other women. But the thing I kind of noticed too, when I was going through was that there's a lot of quality women's wrestlers. And previously in 2017, I didn't feel that I didn't take any women at all. I took ones that were, you know, associate, like I I took Mike Bennett who had Maria, you know, like it was a, an addition and it was, Hey, I didn't get the good women, you know, like you got them, Roger and and Doug got them. So, uh, it was like, well, I guess I'll just go for the tag teams Then I'm going to go for the quality tag teams. So that's what I did instead. And this year, everybody took women and there were still some women left over that it was like, Oh, like that's, that's kind of good. That says like quality things about the state of the women's division. Uh, as far as the quality, the, the biggest uh, win for me, I think was drew McIntyre. I got him at pick 19. It looks like round 19. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really big one. And you know, there's definitely a few uh, that you guys took that. I was like, dang, I had them on my, my board. So, you know, unfortunately that does happen. The one thing I wanted to uh, call, I guess to kind of round things out is I was wondering if there was anybody that you guys were like, Oh, you know, I forgot about them. I would have picked them had I remembered that they were a wrestler and I, I could pick them. Was there anybody, Andy, that you can think of off the top of your head that you're like, oh, you know what? Pick 26. This is who I would have taken easily. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm actually planning on my week three uh, stuff right now. So I just want to know, can I borrow? Um, let's see. I need to borrow Candice LeRae. <laughs> um, so we're opening yes. up the forbidden door. Oh, we can have a forbidden door um, as long as we can exchange some. T- I need Okada, so this is yeah, perfect. Fine, yeah, I have yeah, some yeah, matches yeah, planned yeah. for him. I, I need yeah. Pete Dunn. I need uh, Shayna Blazler. No reason why, but I got this yeah. idea. Oh my god! <laughs> Just so that Shayna can get game over and beat up Roman Reigns. This is Roman in a cage. I <laughs> you can have my main event slot for one night. I will watch that night. and book that. <laughs> yeah, just one night. Just it's. We're going to do a forbidden door. Shayna versus Roman MMA match. 15 minutes. Just go. And then week four. Uh, I really uh, a question for Andy. 
yeah. Do you, do you hate Matt Riddle? Because <laughs> I, I see that you took Randy Orton in the fifth round. Yeah. I'm just wondering why you didn't take RK Bro. See, I thought about that too. I, I should have taken RK Bro, but uh, that's 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 a, that's a I, tough one. I also forgot about that. So, like, I would have taken AJ and Omos, but I honestly forgot that they were a team. Like, Omos is so forgettable to me. Like, he's just a generic big guy. I, I well, they honestly, broke up though. Oh, did they? Had they broken? They up have broken up. Yeah. Okay. Um, they they've split I, the yeah. furniture. Uh, they have moved out. Um, oh, that's tough. That's just tough. Uh, uh, so, uh, and Oh, no, real quick before you go on, um, who was your uh, person that you maybe had a little buyer's regret on? If you have anyone where you're like, ah, maybe I shouldn't have taken this person. I'd rather have taken someone else, or maybe I took them a little bit high, and I'd rather have gotten somebody else on my list. I will say in all seriousness, I, I, I kind of regret Cedric Alexander. I wanted someone who was going to be like a high flyer and also where I could put him into a tag team. I think he's one I, I should have got someone else instead. Fair enough. So, I mean, he was the Mr. Irrelevant of, yes, the, of the draft. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I have buyer's remorse. There, were, Like I had said, there were some people that uh, you guys had taken that next round or right before me that I was like, dang it, I, I was going to take them. And I think in particular when I went on my women's run, there were a couple of people that I had lined up, like Miro in particular. I know I was thinking about him um, and Moose as well. Moose was also on my list. And it was like, dang it, you know, it went before me, unfortunately. So no buyer's remorse. But the um, the one question that, that I asked about, like, was there anybody that you had thought of after the fact? And for me, I I after I took my last one, I was like, oh crap, why didn't I pick this person? But like Wardlow. Wardlow's not on anyone's list, which is just like kind of crazy because he should be. Like I I think it's actually a big mistake that no one took Wardlow. So you- I, I'll answer the question first. I like Wardlow. I think in a world where resources are not infinite, you totally take a guy like Wardlow and build. But in a world where I have infinite access to every roster or every superstar available, I don't need to take a guy I have to build because I can just go get like Wardlow is built as a powerhouse. I can just get Walter who already is a powerhouse. I can already get Miro who's established. And like, I think Wardlow could be good, but I wouldn't necessarily say he is good right now. Whereas like all the people I took either serve a specific role. So like in the case of like Mandy and Selena Vega, that just very hot managers like, you know, and they serve a purpose, like they get heat or, you know, I can put Walter out there, five-star match. I can put Mira out there. He's going to have a great match and he's a great promo. Like him and the Redeemer are really good. I haven't, even Cesar, right? He's just a great workhorse. I haven't seen anything from Wardlow that makes me think he's one of the top hundred wrestlers in the world. And if I'm building a promotion where I have all that, you know, I don't take the guy, you know, it's like if we're doing a football fantasy draft, I'm not taking Trey Lance right now because he's not a starter. I want a guy who I can plug and play right now. Who's going to get me points right now. And that's not Wardlow. Like in now, and if we do this in five years again, Wardlow's probably going to be in our top 100. He should have developed hopefully by then and become a real feature player. But like his resume as of now is Powerbomb symphony and MJF's bodyguard. So I just don't think he's, he warrants a top 25 pick as of now. All right, so that's our picks uh, that we had for uh, this year. Uh, I think uh, everyone has uh, their own opinions on uh, exactly how they would book it. Uh, Mine's more uh, messed up. But anyways, so that's all the time we have for this month's show. If you're into the 24-hour show, Altmark86, I want to thank 86 Productions for hosting and ending the podcast. And I want to thank all of our listeners for taking the time to download and listen to the show. And for Doug Hahn, Roger Cave, and Aaron Hughes, I'm Andrew Hughes. And until next time, we'll see you in the ring.